you know, the first two games of the series, their bot, their bats were so hot. You know, Castellanos and Harper at the end of the DS just absolutely on fire. And then over the first two games of this series, Philly scores 15 runs total over those two games. The last two games of the series, they scored three. Broadway and Clark. This is Mark, and Duncan and I have been talking offline, but we are recording tonight after the pretty unbelievable events of the last really three days, right? We had two game sevens and we had um, a historical situation where two road teams went and won game six and seven in the same, same year, same in the championship series, obviously in the other park. So, uh, we have Texas and Arizona, the Rangers and the Diamondbacks set up for the 2023 World Series. Fairly safe to say that maybe of all the 12 teams, this matchup is the most unlikely, Duncan. What do you think? Yeah, I mean... I think it might be. <laughs> it's just a crazy, crazy, crazy matchup. And certainly, you know, when the playoffs started, everyone was saying, oh, it'll be Braves Astros or um, that's probably the most likely one. Maybe a few people saying the Rangers, but not many. Mostly probably saying the Astros, given how they finished the year. Some people saying the Phillies because they were kind of getting hot. But but yeah, definitely not what people saw. And then, you know, nobody saw the D-backs getting past the Dodgers for sure. I mean, I'm sure people picked the the Brewers against them even uh, if they had to really uh, make a prediction on the first round. So very unlikely. But like we've seen in so many postseasons before now, uh, you just got to get hot. And doesn't mean that the, you know, best team from the regular season is always going to win. So... I'm excited for it because these are they're fun teams to watch, and I think this is truly going to be like a baseball lovers World Series versus just like the the big names. Right, we got Dallas and Phoenix. I I saw somewhere that the Houston Texas game on Monday night was the least watched championship series finale in I don't know if it was ever couldn't have been ever obviously but a long time yeah that's crazy I really because it was um, I mean it wasn't very compelling maybe after a certain point if you were enjoying uh, 
you know, the watching the Rangers and you were more importantly enjoying Adolis Garcia having his moment, uh, you know, then you probably uh, stuck with it. I mean, people would be forgiven, but really up in, it was, it was a decent way into that game before it was all over. I mean, it was eight, two, I guess that was what the fourth or fifth, whatever it was. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe that's why, uh, you know, a bunch of viewership dropped off because the, the final result was, was pretty well known. Was that the fifth? I forget what inning that was, but, um, anyway, what a, what a, what a turn of events. I mean, both teams are down three, two, the, the, the Astros game five, we don't have – that was last Friday night. We don't have to go into a lot of blow-by-blow, blow, but we can certainly – it certainly bears a little bit of discussion, uh, the end of that, and uh, especially after what Texas had done to take the lead – um, and what they had done, you know, what had happened uh, between Garcia and Abreu, and oh you know, just the whole, the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What are your What are your thoughts on that to begin with? So, excuse me. What are your thoughts on all that with Abreu and and uh, Garcia? Well, you know, a guy that uh, I know we both listen to pretty regularly and who I've really come to have a lot of respect for, although uh, in fairness, I probably didn't spend a whole lot of time uh, prior to, you know, really you kind of getting me uh, interested and uh, set up with them. Uh, Trevor Pluth, um, they, he, he was convinced that there's no way Abreu was throwing intentionally at Garcia. I will allow that his only interest there or his only effort was to hit him. I'll, I'll, I'll agree that that's probably not the case. But he definitely wanted to get inside. Uh, I'm not saying he didn't care that he hit him. Uh, although the shot a couple days later, right, that, <laughs> shed some new light. You know, I mean it. It kind of it kind of gave you know it kind of gave a little bit of credence to the lie, right? I mean, the dude. I mean, to some extent, he doesn't care, and I'm not saying he needs to. I'm saying in that in that situation, you almost have to be intentionally not trying to hit a guy uh, because, you know, it, I mean, what happened an hour later was pretty shocking and essentially, I thought, ended the Rangers season. Yeah. But I think that's how it felt for but, a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people felt, I mean, everybody was, that was a rough, I mean, I, you know, and that little ride back from Houston had to be a little hard. Oh, you know? yeah. 
And you're talking about uh, Altuve's homer in the ninth, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, from Texas, that ride from Houston. I said that wrong. <laughs> that ride from Texas back to Houston, the friendly confines, as Texas likes to call them. Uh, that that had to be hard, and it was interesting. Some of the comments after Game Seven that came out. Uh, it really, I thought, and I thought it was it was a great illustration for. Baseball fans went, you know, because it's hard. It's hard when you, you know, I mean, I don't I don't play a competitive sport, you know, certainly not for my living, certainly not for a living that, you know, one-tenth of one percent of the people on earth uh, are able to enjoy because of my skill at um, a competition uh, and a team competition at that. But, um, you know, there were comments like, well, we just had to kind of flush it. You know, we just had to get ready for the next day. We weren't done yet. That was one of my favorite things I heard. Forget who said it. But uh, they were like, we weren't done yet. Might have been uh, Seeger. But, uh, you know, that it's, it's very informative, I think, that that's a mindset that, sounded like it was pretty consistent throughout the clubhouse. And I, I don't doubt that is probably shared by a lot of professionals in a lot of sports. Uh, you know, we think of all these things as, you know, kind of being knitted together and telling a story. But for them, it's the next game. It's the next at bat, right? Yeah, it's, it's a different next, experience you know, for a player versus a fan. Yeah. Yeah, and then that whole, you remember when you were a kid and you were learning to play, and what did your coach always say to you? Before every pitch, you know, when you're in the field, before every pitch, think to yourself and be ready with the idea of this ball's coming to me, what am I going to do with it? Yep. And, you know, and... I mean, obviously, we're watching the supremely talented, and I want to talk a little bit about the unique individual talents that are required to be all melded together on a professional baseball team to produce, you know, the kind of drama and excitement and and just awesome entertainment that we had for 14 combined games in these two series. But, you know, what are you going to do when it's time for the next play? And what, you know, how do you make your contribution positive to the overall outcome? And, I mean, you know, they were game sevens. So not for nothing, the Astros and the Phillies won three games each in the championship series. The problem is it's seven game series and you got to win four of them. Yep. So by the, by the thinnest of margins, Texas and Arizona advance. However, that margin is everything is all of it. Now it's over. Now it's all history. Now we can go back and say this happened, that happened, this, 
you know, for me, I just, I, I keep flashing back to, you know, to just a myriad number of individual moments of excitement, brilliance. Uh, there weren't a ton of, you know, completely boneheaded plays. I don't, do you remember any of the 14 games that were completely lost because, you know, an individual player just did something really stupid? I don't I don't remember that. Not not anything that was like game losing. The seriously, the yeah. only thing that I can really remember that was like, well, that was kind of a dumb play was Corbin Carroll missing the cutoff man um and Marsh got to second. Because um, Corbin Carroll just flew the cutoff man straight to the catcher, um, and that turned a single into a double, getting the guy in scoring position again. But it didn't. That didn't lose the game, I don't think, for them or anything like that. So nothing just really crazy. Um, but I will say, uh, just like these games, these series compared to the DS round and the wild card round, honestly, and this is a, a sentiment I've heard uh, from here and there already is just that these two championship series kind of saved the postseason in a way, as far as excitement goes, because the other two rounds, there was a ton of just blowouts and there still were a few in these series as well. I mean, looking, I've just got it pulled up in front of me here. I mean, three out of three out of the seven games were, yeah, a minimum of seven runs difference in the final score. The other games were closer than that, but there were three games in the ALCS that were at least seven runs uh, difference. And then in the NLCS, it was a little bit closer, but there were a couple games that Philly uh, blew out the Diamondbacks, uh, 6-1 and then 10-0. Um, and then even in Game 6, Arizona winning 5-1, that's still you know, can feel like a close game, especially with runners on late, but um, still some blowouts, but much more exciting action and um, playoff games than in the the previous rounds where honestly, there was a lot of kind of clunker games where by the fourth inning, you're like, okay, I'm kind of like disinterested now because it's a 10, 10, zero game, something like that, or, or six, six to two or something like that. And you're like, okay, well, unless someone can, hit a three-run bomb and get them back into this. This is kind of boring in a way. I mean, I still watched it because it's, it's the game we love. But um, nice to see some games that actually felt like postseason baseball too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's – I think if we go back, uh, you know, through past history, we're going to see – uh, that that's probably not super unusual. Maybe the probably. margin of victory in those cases. Uh, you know, Zona had the 4-2. I guess it was 4-2, wasn't it, on uh, uh, in Game 7? Yep. I know they had a, uh, you know, it was 5-1 in Game 6. They had a 5-3 so, in Game 1 and then a 2-1 in Game 3 were their yeah, victories. Yeah. So. so all four of their wins were, uh, um, you know, I guess they lost game one, but all oh, yeah, of their sorry. wins, yeah, all of their wins were, um, or all of, all, many of those games were close. Yes. 
But what happened, like especially in Game 7, for whatever reason, Phillies did not come to play. Mm -hmm. I mean, that – and, you know, that's such an unfair statement. Let me let me re-say that. Not that they didn't come to play, but they – they did not execute yeah. really in almost any way. They didn't have their I mean, A game. Baum, no, Baum had a good game. He started turning on uh, the, the latter half of the series, especially defensively, um, and, and his yeah. bat too. But um, I think he, he made some really nice defensive plays that kind of picked him up in the team as well. But, yeah, a lot of the guys just, like you said, didn't execute, didn't have their A game. You know, the first two games of the series, their bot, their bats were so hot. You know, Castellanos and Harper at the end of the DS, just absolutely on fire. And then over the first two games of this series, Philly scores 15 runs total over those two games. The last two games of the series, they scored three. So they just went heard, ice cold. I heard somebody made a comment that maybe the backup catcher doesn't say how they want to go swim in the pool <laughs> yeah. after going up 2-0. Tough and, luck. Yeah, that was rough. But, again, we're reminded, I think, that baseball is a game of pitching. You know, it's – it's. I, I mean, you know, we're not going to go on and on tonight about how unique the sport is and – you know, how it's the only sport where you've got, you know, eight defenders facing one offensive player and, you know, with the rest of his teammates sitting on a bench, you know, 50 feet away and can do nothing really to help them. Uh, you know, all those all, all those things that make make the sport unique and awesome. The pitching really for all four teams had just incredible moments of brilliance. And then, I mean, Christian Javier, in my mind is the prime example of this. He just throws a gem in game three, I guess it was. And then he comes out in game seven. Oof, tough. He can't, can't do anything. No. They were all over him. Now, I might argue that Dusty came a little soon. I mean, I understand that this is it's game you know, seven. Is the, you don't want it to get out of hand. It's the he gets out of that down three nothing. Yeah, you still maybe, feel like you're in it. Maybe he gives you six. I mean, they scored one in the bottom of the of the first. It was three one after one, I believe. Um. Or was it two? No, it was only two. One. He only gave up two. They took him out, so he wouldn't. It wouldn't get worse. Yeah, and they ended. He ended uh, up getting a third earned run after after that too. So yeah. Oh, that's right. What's uh, his, yeah? What's his name? Came in and uh, Maton. Yeah, allowed the the uh, inherited runner score. Um, but yeah, so it was three one, and if he gives you four you know, or three and, you know, three and two thirds or whatever, if he gets 10 outs minimum, now you've only got to get the other 16. And, and the fact is, is they didn't 
as a team pitch poorly that game. Well, till later, but <laughs> you know, I mean, they, but it wasn't like they were pulling some guy in that hasn't pitched in for, I mean, France is that a stretch. I don't know. I mean, the guy looked good earlier in the series, you know, mm-hmm. or he looked okay earlier in the series. But this, uh, this to your point too, this is something I heard uh, as well that, you know, just the, the general philosophy of, um, uh, kind of a bullpenny game, kind of how this ended up being. I, I don't think that's how they intended it with Javier starting, but it ends up being that. And you have, what is it here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight pitchers pitch in that game. Um, a much higher likelihood of one of those eight not having it that day, like JP France when he gave up the granny, um, versus having your starter going going deep in the game and maybe using three pitchers. And so there's less of a likelihood of somebody not having it that day. So uh, or, yeah, or the or the four pitchers you know. You know, like for example, uh last night, Sal Frank. Oh yeah, it was scary. Tough. That was really tough to watch. I'm like, bro, and I mean I haven't been honed in on him i had some struggles earlier in the in the playoffs with uh you know getting access to the national league and then all their games are being played in the afternoon i hate that uh and you know guess what a lot of america works during the day you know i think that's something that baseball you know, on the, I, I remember, you know, 20 years ago or 30 years ago, the complaint was, oh, kids can't watch the game. You know, the Dodgers are hosting, uh, you know, the Mets and the game starts, starts at, at nine, nine o'clock, <laughs> yeah. you know, on the East Coast. And, you know, kids got to, you know, school kids have to be in bed at 10. So they get to watch the first two, three innings. Now it's the opposite. Now they're trying to get, you know, compact the, the postseason into a certain amount of time. So they're starting games at, you know, here in the Midwest and, uh, and on the West Coast. You know, these games are starting at 1 to 3 in the afternoon, 4 in the afternoon. You know, even, even the other night they started the, uh, uh, I guess it was on Monday, game 6, uh, for the Diamondbacks and Phillies. I think that started at like maybe five or whatever it was. And, you know, the fact is, is that people got to get home, got to eat dinner, kids got, you know, practice or whatever. You know, things are happening in the early evening. So in my mind, it should be like primetime television. Yeah. You know, everything starts at seven in the central time zone, eight in the eastern time zone. I mean, obviously, if you live on the West Coast, you know, you're used to the five and six o'clock starts. It's just kind of not natural. Yeah, um, well, lucky for you. Lucky for you. All yeah. all the games going forward now for the rest of this year, going to be a maximum of one game per night now. Oh, I love it. I absolutely <laughs> love it. I loved it last night. Um, I cared about game six, but... Once the Diamondbacks sealed that, which, you know, took the whole game, basically, most of it, I was kind of a whimper at the end from Philly. That that was a little surprising. Uh, 
but um, that game set, those two game sevens were just a joy, just a focus. Uh, you know, they say it's the best two words in sports. I think it was proven once again. Um, you know, when, when it's game five and a game five in a five game series or even game three and a three game. Did we have any game threes? We didn't, did we? No, there were a lot we of sweeps had, early on. We might have had one. Did the Braves go to three? No, the Braves didn't even play in a three-game set. Anyway, um, yeah, the uh, uh, but the moments of individual brilliance. Jordan Montgomery on Monday night. Just unbelievable. He's so good. 31 pitches, two and a third innings. I don't think he didn't give up any hits, did he? Maybe one. Uh, was just outstanding. I mean, he looked like a a starter on full rest. Uh, Zach Wheeler, you know, it was a lot different scenario because of how, you know, where his team was. Yeah. But I'm not sleeping on what he did as well. I know Montgomery was his – I think for both of them it was their first time in their career. Well, for Wheeler, it was his first time in his career in a relief role. Sure. That doesn't really, that doesn't really impress me as much because it's still pitching. I mean, it's not that big a difference. I think he did come on with – a runner on. It's just the preparation. um, I think that gets to be so different. Well, it's the two games rest with both of them as Cardinal fans. We've seen it in the past where, uh, where we, you know, felt like we were forced to try it and it went South and it's happened to other teams. Uh, Both of them were outstanding. You know, uh, Garcia, his whole series, his whole arc, Amazing. Uh, Corey Seager, who really wasn't doing much of anything and then comes into game seven. Corbin Carroll, game seven for the for the Diamondbacks. Uh, you know, I thought Alex Thomas really showed a lot. I could not believe he was on the bench the first five innings of <sighs> game seven. I was so mad at Lavello at that point. I'm like, "What are you thinking, bro? This He's is done some interesting things because he benched Fam too for a game. <clears throat> so yeah, then, and then when he made the switch, he took Tommy out, and you know, again, just really weird. I mean, really weird. Uh, you got Moreno as your in your three hole. Who you know is a nice player, and and you know is probably going to be a great leader. Uh, you know, I thought he might be a baby Yachty, but he's I, got a long he's got a long hill to climb to play to be the defensive catcher Yadier Molina has. I was seeing was. hints of that though with some of the like managing the game that he was doing behind the scenes a little bit and kind of managing some pitchers and um, just making smart plays here and there uh, throughout the series and kind of controlling quarterbacking the game. So I saw a little like hints yeah, here and there I would of it, say but Kelly's Kelly's performance in Game Six, I thought that massive, uh, so good. Uh, Frank Hoor and them, you know, Darling Frank Hoor, uh, who would not Joe was it Joe Davis or Brian Anderson, whoever it was, Brian Anderson, they, yeah. 
Yeah, they uh, did a good job of highlighting, um, like in Kelly's case, nothing down the middle. I mean, nothing. He was so committed to that to the point where I was getting frustrated. You know, you're you're one two on a guy. Let just challenge him. You know, but he he really stuck to the game plan. And uh, and with the pitch mix, they had no problem going back to, you know, depending on what a guy had going, no problem going back to a pitch time and time again. Um, and it was uh, it was a thing of beauty, which, you know, that's the other thing when you when when you're in games where it's not who's going to hit the next ball over the wall, which is kind of what the ALCS felt like in the NLCS uh, there was some real strategy with uh, both pitch making and uh, and you know and just approach to different hitters I really I really appreciated that you know I agree with that outside of the first two games when Philly was just hitting the long ball and that was all it was do you remember that text we had in our uh, our group chat uh, offline and everything that we were just talking about when was the last time that the Phillies hit like a double and had a runner score. And then of course, JT Rio Muto did that like three batters later or something like that. But it felt like all they were oh, doing right. was hitting yeah. homers. I think, I think that might've been game two. Yeah. I remember that. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, I was convinced after game two that there's no way in hell that Arizona wins four out of five. Yeah. They uh, look dead in the water, especially with those first two games being Gallon and Kelly, and you fired both of those bullets, and then you're looking at the rest of the series going, oh, where are we going to find four games? And Gallon Gallen did not look that good in his start. No, no. but Kelly was fine. I think I think that yeah. was more the bullpen in that game. Yes. But, um, I mean, you know, who knows? He probably only went four innings, four and a third, whatever. But um, got to give a huge uh, shout out to the number three guy though in that rotation. Holy cow! One to watch Brandon for. Brandon oh. Who even knew who this guy was? He was in AAA part of the year. Yeah. Oh no! I mean, Sal Frank has been on the team for a month and a half. Now, granted, the kid apparently doesn't know how to throw strikes. That's something he needs to learn quickly. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how much, how many appearances he's going to get. In the, I think in the World Series he comes in and the first guy he walks. That might he might be done for the rest of the World Series. I don't know. Uh, but um, yeah, between uh, oh, that's that's another awesome storyline. Are the Rooks, Carter? I mean, Carroll. You know, he, he everybody's known about him since April, but. Uh, Carter was just what how much fun was that kid to watch play baseball and then afterwards they're interviewing him and he's like oh this is just fun this is just was was he the one that had a wad of gum in his mouth the whole time they were interviewing him after oh, I think I didn't it see was that. I'm like oh yeah I, I I watched uh both game sevens I watched the you know the on-field interviews and stuff like yeah, that right yeah. after the game and uh, Evan Carter had a big old piece of green gum in his mouth <laughs> that he was chomping on while he was giving his interview. I and I that. just thought it was, I'm like, I'm like, oh, that'll get cleaned up. 
there'll there'll be some some management guy, you know, uh, part of his team, you know, since he's since he's going to make himself a few hundred million in his life, that um, you know that are going to say, hey, Evan. Next time you have a big interview like that, first thing you do is spit the gum out before you start talking to the national television <laughs> audience. I thought that was I, – I got a little chuckle out of that. <laughs> that was good. But that kid, that kid was out. So think about it. They got a rookie at third and a rookie in left. Yeah. So that whole side of your defense are a couple of rookies. Yeah. And, and Outside of Seagull, yeah. About a, you talk about a guy that's going to give you – you know, heartburn if he's your guy. Josh Young, oh. But how about the big homer he hits? I mean, they just step up when the someone steps up when it's needed. But I would say with Evan Carter, uh, I mean, Josh Young was hitting like towards the bottom of the lineup and stuff. They had games this series where Evan Carter was hitting number three. In the three hole, yeah, I and think game like, seven he was in the three hole. Yeah, I mean, just think about think about that from like a Cardinals per- perspective. I don't want to use Jordan Walker because that's like the obvious one. That'd be like you know Corbin Carroll hitting there. It's like okay, that makes sense, whatever. But like that'd be like Mason Wynn coming up, you know, towards the end of the season and playing for like you know a few months, and then being like he's gonna be our our three hole hitter or four or five or something like that. And you're like, hold on, what? And then, and then, not only that, but he performs and he does it, and helps lead the team uh, when some of the big stars like Seager and Simeon uh, hadn't really turned it on to their full potential and everything. I mean, really impressive when you think about it, because um, I think a lot of people are just like, "Oh yeah, I don't really watch much Rangers baseball. This must have been a guy that's been huge all year or something like that." I mean, not really. He wasn't there. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You can't do it. You're not there. Uh, the which we'll save this for after the World Series, but we need to have an extended conversation about Bochi. Uh, some of the things that that guy did were just brilliant. I mean, I can't imagine playing for that guy. You know, like the way he handled Chapman, he, you know, I I mean, obviously he was a big part of that loss in game seven, or I'm sorry, game five. He refuses to pitch him in game six. He brings in, um, who did he bring in instead? Did he bring in one of his starters? Uh, Wasn't Heaney. I forget who it was he brought in. I think in the seventh, and then he went Gink, uh, uh, not Ginkle, uh, uh, who's the setup guy before LeClerc? Uh, well, it's supposed to be him, but who's the guy before that? I can't think of who it is right now. But but he went with those, you know, he had, he had the, the guy I can't think of, I'm killing me, uh, Chapman, LeClerc, that was kind of the, you know, like the, this is what we think this bullpen. Remember, because the bullpen struggled, right, a lot. Yeah. Uh, or it was sorry, I was trying to. Big... I was trying to pull it up and everything. Is it spores you're talking about? Yeah, spores. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Um, yeah, he. I think he pitched in maybe all seven games. There might have been a lot of them. Yeah. 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 So they they wound up doing. <clears throat> I think 
He came in either with two outs in the seventh and then got one out, if I'm not mistaken, this game six, one out in the eighth, and then I think, uh, uh, if I'm remembering this all correctly, uh, LeClerc wound up having to get five outs that game, if I'm if I'm thinking right. Because it got a little dicey, if I'm not mistaken, in the ninth. But anyway, or maybe they had such... No, game six was when uh, – was that when Garcia hit the granny? Yeah, that was when Garcia hit the granny. Yeah, LeClerc uh, only uh, recorded the two outs and then Heaney came in. Oh, that's right, because they didn't need him anymore. That's right. He was able to bring Heaney in for the ninth because at that point they were up 8-2 or whatever it was, 10-2 or something crazy. Uh, anyway, so the uh, – but so he doesn't use Chapman in game six. And, but, you know, there's no big, like he doesn't make some grand statement to the media, anything like that. Oh, this guy, he's, no, what does he do the next night? Now, in fairness, he's got like a six run lead at the time. He goes ahead and pitches him in the, I think it was the seventh, you know, out kind of out of turn in terms of, a little sooner. I mean, he was forced to, you know, he was forced to because Scherzer, what did Scherzer go? Did he, he didn't even go three, right? He went, I think he was taken out in the third. Two and two thirds. thirds. Yeah. Uh, But then he brought in Montgomery, which turned out to be brilliant. And uh, I forget who else he pitched in that game. Yeah. Then he went spores uh, for one and two thirds. And then went to yeah. Chapman, who did one and a third, two hits, no earned. Great outing. And did he have one walk or no walks? Nothing. Just yeah. the two hits. So, so, yeah. So he was fine. He was fine. And and at the time, like I said, I think it was a six-run lead. So, Bochy's just that he, man he manager. He's just He has that down. Well, and that's the thing, because they put up the stat. It was either game one or very early in the series, you know, uh, you know, like almost 1,100 wins for Bochy or, or, or whatever, 2,000, almost 2,100, I think it is, or wh- whatever the numbers are for Bochy. And then Dusty's got like an extra 50 to 75 wins lifetime. Obviously, Bochy's got the three World Series wins, uh, and what is this, his fifth appearance? Because didn't he go once with the Padres? And, uh, uh, you know, and Dusty's got the one win. And however many times he's been in it, four or five, whatever it is. Uh, or was last year's first. Now, it wasn't his, it was his first win, but he'd been there before. Um, but anyway, the point is, is that I thought Bochy outmanaged him. Not, not like took him to the woodshed or anything, but, but just made a couple of decisions, a few key decisions that were enough. I mean, again, we're talking about, you know, pretty much, I mean, when you have a blowout in game seven, which is pretty unusual. I think it, I think they were saying during the telecast, it was, it was one of the bigger game seven blowouts in, in history, you know, that, that far into the playoffs. Uh, it's, you know, I mean, but that's really down to just, you know, Javier, you know, what you can get out of your staff. And 
I mean, the Javier decision was not a mistake by Dusty. He just his, not at all. And, yeah. and he, he I mean, again, I still think he probably should have left. I mean, I, personally, I thought he should have left him in. Because uh, yeah, you, know, you can see him going six innings and just those three earned. And oh, absolutely, absolutely. And at the time, it was this. Remember, it was only two. He might he might not have given up the third. That's true. Yeah, now, he could have gotten out of it. It did look like everybody was teeing off on him. So I, you know, I <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um. Anyway, so I thought that Bochi just has been outstanding. Now we'll see. They could get swept. Uh, you know, by the Diamondbacks starting Friday night. Very possible. Uh, I wouldn't bet that. But uh, but yeah, individual moments of brilliance. I really think is you know within a team concept though you know this this and you know i mean you could see the pros you know the people that do this for a living the people that are responsible for getting on tv in front of millions of viewers and you know and i mean they were freaking out you you uh directed me and really gave me a great heads up on the alternate uh, telecast. The Alt-Cast Peloteros. Which, so good. Yeah. Tell us, tell us who that was and g- give me a couple of your thoughts on, on, you know, what you liked about that. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, this is a, an alternate broadcast that TBS had just for the, um, the NLCS and I, they, they've done it for the other rounds as well, but, um, basically it's a similar to the, uh, well, it was a Monday Night Football uh, that was doing it with Peyton and Eli. Um, oh, yeah. Kind of yeah, just, yeah. you know, former players watching the game as well, giving their takes on uh, what's happening, their thoughts on it. Um, they had different people depending on the night. It always was Pedro Martinez, though, since he's on the um, pre- and post-game show as well. So it was always him. They had Nestor Cortez a few times, who was really good. I was really, really interesting hearing him kind of talk through pitching stuff. Him and Pedro going oh, back I and forth. That guy. I he was him. He he's was really energetic, great to listen to. Um, Albert was on a few nights. They had Yonder Alonso on a few nights, and then depending on the night, you know, they had some people uh, zooming uh, in. They had Pudge on a couple nights that was calling in from. I'm trying to remember where he was. Um, if he was in like Venezuela or something like that, I know he's, um, was he Puerto Rican? I believe. Uh, but he wasn't in Puerto Rico, but anyways, um, he was calling in and, and some other people too, that they'd call in an interview as well as it was going on. So, I mean, just to get some of that insight on, on little plays here and there that you would never pick up on the broadcast and like, sure on the, on the broadcast, you have Ron Darling and Jeff Francoeur, but I'll be honest with you, I'd, I'd rather listen to Pedro talk over Ron Darling about pitching stuff, and I'd rather hear Albert talk over Jeff Francoeur about pitching stuff. So um, really, really interesting insights. They gave a little like cultural stuff with a lot of the um, Hispanic side of the game and that kind of stuff too, which was really interesting too because I think a lot of us as uh, American-born fans, we don't understand a lot of that and how the game is seen and perceived um, in Latin America. Um. So really, really interesting. Um, do, do, do you remember that. anything that you remember anything that any of them said specific to that point that uh, you found particularly interesting? 
Well, I'm trying to remember. There was some stuff early on in the series uh, that they were talking about, uh, particularly like with a uh, a relief pitcher. And they kind of had a mound visit one of the games. And I cannot for the life of me remember who it was. Um, I believe it was someone on the Like an Alvarado or somebody like that? Yeah, well, I think it was, yeah, I think it was the Phillies. Because the point they were making was that this was a a Spanish-speaking pitcher, but everybody playing the infield, catcher plus your entire infield, are all English-speaking and American. And, like, what does that look like as far as you know, your understanding of what you're trying to do to make sure everyone's on the same page, not only just from like a language barrier thing, but also just like approach to the game and how you grew up playing the game. And I could totally see, you know, being there and, you know, kind of shaking your head and being like, okay, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. But like, you're only, you're picking up bits and pieces of what they're saying versus everyone speaking the same language and like really, truly understanding our full approach and like having those like deeper conversations versus like, all right, just go get him kind of a thing. Um, so really, really uh, interesting to hear that. I mean, they talked about like, yeah, you can have like interpreters and stuff like that um, there to help you if you need it. And he didn't have one. So like, you know, it should be fine, that kind of a thing. But that's a part of the a side of the game that I didn't never even really thought of. But there was also like another play that happened that Albert was talking about. It was, the game in game or the play in game seven where they had Corbin Carroll picked off at first, but he ran. And he was trying to steal. Do you remember this play? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was safe and at he, second, yeah. and he ended up being safe at second. And Albert was talking about um, Bryce and his catch and throw, and basically he was saying, if you're Bryce Harper playing at first base. When you see him taking off and you know you're going to have to throw to second, you got to come towards the pitcher. Come get the ball. One, it's going to give you a better angle to throw to second, so you're not going to have to throw around the runner. And two, you're going to be able to get the ball quicker and get it out quicker to get it to second, which really, you know, it was a bang-bang play at second base, and he barely got in. So if you come get that ball, he's probably out. I'm pre- I'm pretty sure Turner was covering on that, and and he hit him a little high, didn't he? Isn't that what happened? There? The the throw was high. Yeah, it was a high yeah. throw as well. It Wait, was and I don't line, know if he was. But it was just a little. But uh, Turner mm-hmm. had to like... reach up to eye level, or yeah. you know, roughly to get it. I think exactly. So like that, watching the broadcast, like I I can't imagine that Jeff Franco or Ron Darling's picking up on that versus Albert, who's a hall of fame first baseman uh, making that kind of a point. So like that was super interesting. I loved that. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the discussion we just completed. Actually, uh, full disclosure, a little peek behind the curtain. That discussion happened about 24 hours ago, followed by 
roughly another 50 minutes of conversation where we talked a little bit more about what happened in the two CS series, series, and then we spent uh, a decent amount of time talking about what's going to commence on Friday with the World Series. However, huge mea culpa on my part. This is Mark with you tonight. Duncan is uh, not on because this is my mistake, my error, and somehow I lost that second half plus of our show. So, first and foremost, apologize for that. I hope you'll trust me when I say it was a lively discussion. Duncan made a bunch of great points. I talked too long as always, and it was it was it was good for us. It was uh, you know for our our level. It was uh, you know it was a solid seven. However, that is now lost to the great ether. Where it went. Not really sure, but be that as it may, we soldier on. We are excited about the World Series beginning in less than 24 hours now, and uh, some of the things we discussed, we talked about uh, the matchups, we talked about, of course, the starting pitching, uh, I know I made the point that it was uh, many scenarios uh, could potentially play out, and most of them would not surprise me. I don't know if we said this directly last night, but it's a uh, Diamondback sweep I think would be pretty surprising uh, with the power in the Texas bats. Uh, for them to lose four in a row, although we're fully aware of how streaky they were this season, uh, would still be quite surprising, especially with uh, the kind of consistency they've found over the last three weeks of the playoffs. Four weeks, I guess now. Um, I talked about a scenario where Eovaldi uh, at home in game one where you know, uh, kind of tongue-in-cheek. I mentioned that apparently they haven't been able to find a way to win uh, as we experienced in the championship series. Uh, but, you know, be that as it may, the scenario where Nathan Eovaldi comes out and uh, maybe Zach Gallen is the Arizona starter, I believe that's how it's going to go, and he... Uh, you know, lays a bit of an egg, and Texas, uh, the bats stay hot, and it's a pretty uh, pretty resounding Rangers victory in Game 1. But then in Game 2, if it's uh, Merrill Kelly versus uh, Jordan Montgomery, could very easily see two strong starts, you know, maybe a a 2-2, 3-2, 2-1 game after five, 
and then it really becomes a bullpen matchup, and maybe Arizona's bullpen allows them to steal the victory and even the series coming back to the desert, where in Game 3, the rookie sensation, who nobody knew until recently was a sensation, Brandon Fott, uh, outduels Max Scherzer, for example. Uh, who you know while is a le- you know while he is a legend and has had a uh, you know a Hall of Fame worthy career, uh, you know looks to be a little short of his best stuff, both through injury and age. So Arizona wins Game Three and they take a two-one series lead. And then I opined, uh, Duncan found it, I think, credible that uh, game four would be the key game of the series. And I'm, I think there are statistics that uh, confirm that the, uh, in a 2-1 series, the winner of game four is uh, critical. Obviously, uh, if you go up 3-1, you got three chances to one, win one game. Uh, it's you know the the odds are greatly in your in your favor. So we uh, we talked about if Arizona with a bullpen game, I guess, uh, gets through game four. Maybe they hit a little better, or you know hit extremely well, uh, and win a you know an eight seven. some kind of crazy score game like that with uh, who does Texas bring to the hill? Andrew Heaney? Uh, Not certain, right? Maybe they try to go back to Eovaldi. Um, I think he would be on regular rest in game four, maybe one day shy. Uh, we certainly saw the remarkable um, performance of Jordan Montgomery in Game 7, so it's not without precedent. But in a seven-game series, especially if it was 2-1, to one, uh, if Texas was down, sure, there'd be desperation. You don't want to go down 3-1. But I think at minimum, uh, Bochy would, you know, would probably start a Heaney or somebody like that to uh, – to try to get them, you know, three or four innings, uh, which, you know, in the in the modern game, uh, after the first time through the lineup, really all bets are kind of off unless you're a, an ace type, you know, a Wheeler or a um, Verlander, you know, a pitcher like that who's always going to get the benefit of the doubt, um, or you're just sailing. You know, you've gotten eight out of nine, giving up one hit through three, whatever it is. Uh, so that was what we talked about. Um, we talked about who the potential heroes might be. I mentioned Nathaniel Lowe. Can he uh, can he contribute a little bit more? You know, that home run in Game Seven uh, proved to be pretty big. Uh, we talked about the concept of maintaining a lead as opposed to getting an early lead and then uh, the opponent chipping away. We, I think we saw both scenarios in the ALCS. 
Uh, we saw Arizona hold off Philly in three of their four wins. Uh, no more emphatically than in Game 7, which the Phillies kind of finished with a whimper, we thought, or I thought. So that was uh, that's kind of an overview of what we discussed. It, as I mentioned, uh, obviously, you know, I'm approaching nine minutes of talking to you right now with this apology and explanation. And, you know, assuming Duncan was with me, we'd already be, you know, at 18. And you can probably easily understand how you could get to uh, 40, 50 minutes of recording. So first, this is a first for us. It's the first time we completely lost some recorded content. And it's a tough one. It's, uh, you know, we're taking it on the chin. Uh, You know, it's completely on me. I, uh, I hung a curve, and uh, the podcast gods lost it way up in the upper deck. And, uh, you know, it's a tape measure job. So we're, we apologize again for that. Uh, as we, you know, were emphatic about yesterday, we are very excited about this World Series. It's different, right? We've got a couple of squads that... Uh, Texas hasn't, or uh, I'm sorry, well, Texas hasn't been here in a dozen years. Uh, nod to our Cardinal fandom in their last appearance. And then uh, who doesn't remember Luis Gonzalez and uh, the Diamondbacks in 01 uh, beating the hated and powerful New York Yankees. So 22 years for, for uh, Arizona and... 12 years for Texas, uh, fresh blood in the World Series. Duncan and I will be back with you probably on the off day. So we'll have two games of the series in. Uh, I guess that would be Sunday or, yeah, Sunday. Maybe Sunday night we'll be able to get something down so that we can share it with everyone ahead of the move to the desert. We want to wish all of you an outstanding weekend of World Series baseball, along with the uh, the brand new NBA and NHL seasons, and of course the monster that is professional football. Uh, it's you know it's notable that the World Series will not be played on a Sunday or a Thursday this year. Uh, in deference, I think, to the NFL. But, uh, of course, it's going to be a weekend chock full of great sports, none greater uh, than the American pastime, uh, the great game of baseball. So enjoy it all, and we will be back with you just as soon as possible. Uh, This is Mark signing off from Broadway and Clark. Uh, As always, we invite your comments and uh, look forward to speaking to you again.